I heartily endorse this event or product. Hoi hoi, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the Talking Simpsons live show. Okay. Uh, where the rods up our butts have rods up their butts. <laughs> and I am one of your hosts, the hair-combing dream haver, Bob Mackey, who's here with me today. Uh, Henry Gilbert, I just finished off some America balls backstage. Ooh, that sounds good. And today's episode for our live show is The Principal and the Popper. They're booing there. Up yours, children. Excellent. But unfortunately, our reign of terror is over because the hosts of the competing Simpsons podcast are here, Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott of Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Please come out from some side of the stage. <laughs> oh, no. Two of us will be unmasked and killed on stage tonight. <laughs> There can only be one. This is like podcast Highlander. <laughs> We're going to watch two murders. Oh. Hi, guys. Thanks. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much. So usually we do a uh, day on Simpsons history, and this episode aired on September 28, 1997. Henry, what happened on this mythical day in real world history? <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby, the underrated film Ice Storm is seen in theaters by me, my mom, and few other people. Uh, the book Cold Mountain sits atop the New York Times bestsellers list, and America enjoys the first of five glorious weeks of the Tony Danza show. Oh. <laughs> Number one Just people. Just five weeks? Just, yeah, they, they made 13 episodes, only aired five. They, they're lost to time. People don't want to hear about a storm right now, Henry. Uh, I'd, I'd prefer, uh, I don't know, would you prefer a rainstorm to an ice mm. storm? Which would you want? I prefer Tony Danza. <laughs> if it was raining men and all the men were Tony Danza. <laughs> was America ready for an Italian on TV? Uh, not yet. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> not, counter, not unless he's counterbalanced by a white woman. <laughs> and who's the boss? Uh, well, yeah, so this week's episode is the controversial principal in the popper. A very beloved and famous episode, I yes, think. Yes, we all love it. The least memorable name of all time. That's true. It's that's like true. It's such a boring title. It's the Armin Tanzarian episode. That's yeah. why yes. everyone knows it. <laughs> and I guess uh, we should poll people in the audience. Um, we want to find out who in the audience does not like this episode. By a round of applause. I thought you were going to say, not. who does not like The Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> There's Whoa. a Family Guy show across the street yeah. that has your name on it. <laughs> but by a round of applause, does anyone not like this episode? It's pretty hated. Um, and yet you're here tonight. I appreciate you. Ellie, one of them was your boyfriend. <laughs> and that's why I think he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate the openness to admit that you didn't like it. I mean, I, all four of us up here like it, I think. I don't see this as ruining the show or a jump-the-shark kind of moment. Uh, you know, I, I think for a lot of us here, like, if you were a little kid when this came out, it was just like, yeah, I love The Simpsons. I'm just so happy to be watching cartoons instead of doing homework. So for <laughs> me, it was like it took until we talked about it on our podcast that our guest, when we discussed it. Um, we talked about this episode first yeah. on <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> Thank you so first. much. Uh, <laughs> we should start Everything's Coming Up Simpsons did it. <laughs> but when we talked about it, I, I honestly felt like such an imposter in terms of being a fan um, because I was kind of surprised to learn how controversial this episode was. Like, I knew that the Frank Grimes one was controversial, I knew that the Australia episode was controversial, but I had 
it, it kind of took me a second to realize, like, oh, people hate it, and they have good reason to. Mm -hmm. They totally, even Harry Shearer said, like, this is kind of a diss to the fans. Right, right. Harry Shearer being grumpy <laughs> about the Simpsons episode? That's just news so. to me. Well, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but uh, once upon a time, people on the internet were angry about media and the people who made it. It was a rare period in history that's never happened again, but... If you were not online in 1997, this episode was hated on the Simpsons news group All TV Simpsons. Oh, yeah. And for this live show, I have pulled two reviews uh, that were the most negative from that news group. So posted in September of 97, uh, I have eliminated the names because these people are probably in jail now. So, uh, <laughs> or dead, uh, from prison murder. From so, <laughs> uh, first review was uh, Ken Keeler, I hate you. By the way, Ken Keeler is the writer of this episode. So, yeah. Ken Keeler, I hate you. This episode is certainly a waste of tape. That was a popular uh, saying in the 90s, a waste of tape. Uh, abandoning all continuity and destroying a great supporting character in exchange for a few cheap laughs? I'm sorry, that might have worked on The Critic, but if you haven't noticed, this ain't The Critic, pal. Whoa. The only solace is that this appears to be Keeler's final episode. Well, Mr. Keeler, with this episode, you have earned yourself the most welcome exit since Jennifer Crittenden, F. Oh. Oh! First they let a woman write for The Simpsons, and now this Keeler guy? I can't believe Harry Shearer said that. Uh, yeah, it was his alt account, but am yes. I, am I, so, I'm sorry. Am I ruining both of our podcasts by saying that these people don't owe their fans anything? <laughs> if anything, no, they owe them. No, people are turning on me on that. You can, we're receiving art, and they, okay. We should point out that uh, Ken Keeler wrote some controversial episodes of the show. Uh, he was the writer for Star is Burned, which was the critic crossover, and um, he also wrote Two Bad Neighbors, which was the George H.W. Uh, Bush episode, which I only found out later was hated. I, I liked it a lot at the time. I, I don't know why it was Harry hated. Harry Shearer hates that one, too. Harry Shearer sucks. Is that the only <laughs> Henry... We're Henry, trying to get him as a guest. Are those the only notes you have on whether or not Harry <laughs> Shearer hates it? I have a separate wiki called Harry Shearer Hates, and it's just all the... It's a long, long wiki. I, I do have one more review from this era. There's a lot of them, but this is my second final one, so... Uh, again, the name has been omitted. You can visit their grave later. But uh, someone needs to tie ten... Sorry, someone needs to tie Ken Keeler to a chair and have him trained out of town. This episode is extremely unnecessary, and to me, proves the writers are running fresh out of ideas. I'm sick of these revelations with characters. I mean, it was bad enough that we were expected to believe Ned is a walking emotional time bomb, and now this? What's cooked up for season 10? Bart was switched at birth with Rex, in parentheses, the actor in Lisa's class. Smithers is really a woman? F. And uh, negative reviews for this episode is what I'm saying. Wow. I like how that guy started his, re his review with a sincere pitch for his Simpsons spec script <laughs> where one of the people in Springfield gets tied to a train. Oh, and yeah. Carded on. Thank you. I I'll take whatever applause I can get. <laughs> oh! Thank you. I do think they're right. Like, I completely agree with anyone who hates this episode, and it's not be just because I'm wishy-washy, but it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I truly get it. It's an F you to the fans because it's saying, like, this whole, you know, uh, season or series, as you've known it, has been a lie, and what a prank, but it's funny, so who cares? Like, that, I think, ultimately <laughs> is the rule. If, it's, if it makes you laugh, who cares? I'm going to be devil's advocate maybe for the whole podcast tonight and say that this is, well, they, they wrap it up at the end, but this is a bottle episode that is almost non-canon. Oh, mm. yeah. And so I feel like it, it, I don't know, it, to me, 
as this like individual, like preserved, like you can pluck it from the Simpsons run. It's still great. I don't feel betrayed by it. By well, so it, speaking of betrayal, as we know from watching the episode, talking about this at all is punishable by death. And right. so we really George, shouldn't be having this. this room will be shipped off to Guantanamo Bay after this episode. <laughs> yeah. After this uh, live recording. Uh, so we're really... Uh, risking our lives here to provide a nice show for the fine people of San Francisco. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I yeah! Thank you. We're true heroes on stage oh, yeah. tonight. Uh, <laughs> I do want to point out, I think like for Henry and I, at least this is a very personal episode because we're going through the series in order. We've been doing it for four years. And I think people believe like after the show is over, Henry and I will turn to sand mm-hmm. and the Patreon will shut down and their bank accounts will be full again. I think <laughs> sincerely, and we'll just both walk into the ocean after this live recording. <laughs> It's just understood that, like, yeah, this is the episode that ruins the series, right? And you guys can't go after this, which is wrong and a lie. We will not, we'll never stop, uh, at least for the next 15 years until we get to the current season. Boy, <laughs> that's going to be tough. But uh, wow. no, I think I, I was not offended by this episode then. I only, I liked it fine. It wasn't even my favorite, though. But when, it was only when I really started engaging with the Simpsons fandom. I was a mega Simpsons fan, but... My, I didn't engage with the internet fandom. It was just me and my brother quoting it to each other all the time. So then in the early 2000s, when I finally go online and see that this is marked as like, this is where it all started to go wrong kind of thing, it's just, it's an, it's an arbitrary point, I think, for a lot of fans. I think this episode is so of a piece of like five other ones that Bill and Joss did that it's no more destructive than those. And it's like, uh, I, I think really if this had come at a, if this wasn't at the start of a season, people wouldn't have been that mad about it either. And it, it really can't be that bad if it completely inspired Don Draper's backstory, because it's truly <laughs> exactly 100% like yeah, note for Matthew note. Matthew really owes them a check. <laughs> Probably Rip a off artists. Well, you know, we've had, we've had those reviews, but what about the reviews of a popular Instagram fast food reviewer? Oh, perhaps the famous Bill Oakley? <laughs> yes, yeah. We, uh, guys, it's time for a special update on this episode from... This is a world exclusive. It is. Uh, the, one of the showrunners of this episode, Bill Oakley. Hey, it's Bill Oakley, and I'm here at McDonald's to get a McRib and talk to you about the principal and the pauper. He's such a dork. Hello, McDonald's. like a queen or anything? Uh, yes, I'd like a McRib, please. Oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry, we don't serve the McRib anymore. They don't serve the McRib anymore. (laughs) Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. So this episode was inspired by the film The Return of Martin Gere, which was a award-winning film from 1983 about a man, um, Frenchman, who returns home from war and the family isn't really sure whether it's him. Similar story to this episode. Um, in fact, it was based on something that had really happened in 16th century France. This was remade as a movie called Summersby in 1993 starring Richard Gere. And it's, uh, it's something that happened over time, historically, uh, a couple of times. And in fact, mm-hmm. Ken brought us, Ken Keeler, who wrote this, brought us a newspaper clipping we were talking about this episode of an incident in Vietnam where this had happened. I believe it was a South Vietnamese soldier who had returned home and imposed as an imposter taking over someone else's life. So I would say it's a, it's a story 
that had a lot of classical elements, kind of a Shakespearean feel, that we felt worked perfectly with Principal Skinner because of his Vietnam background. And I know that type of story is not to everyone's liking. It's definitely not what you'd normally expect. And I know when you expect that you're going to get a McRib and you wind up with a filet of fish, no matter how decent the filet of fish is, you're still going to be kind of unhappy. How's that for an analogy that is truly ham-handed? Mmm, ham-handed. What a dork. So we got the official word from Bill Oakley, who ran... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, thank you, Bill. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much, Bill. But yeah, we got the official word from Bill about this episode. So the boring facts is this is production season eight, not season nine. So <laughs> this is not starting the downfall of The Simpsons. But I have to say, Bill Oakley, uh, asleep at the switch once again. If, if Ken Keeler had seen that video, he would throw one of his many Emmys across the room in rage. <laughs> because this is not based on The Return of Martin Gare, the famous French film you all have seen. Uh, or Summer's Bee, and I'm sure you all have the t-shirts from 1993. But this is actually based on a real historical case from Victorian England called the Tichborne case. Yeah, fuck you, Bill. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> How I just want to say, you. I don't want to gloss over this. Did it alarm anybody else that it took him like two whole minutes to chew? <laughs> I'm just concerned for his health. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. But yes, on. Uh, the Tichborne case, look it up. It was a Victorian England scandal that rocked the many newspapers of Victorian England where a man claimed to be a man who he apparently wasn't, who died uh, supposedly like in a shipwreck off of Australia. Anyways, you know that if you went to Harvard and Ken Keeler went to Harvard. So that's why that is the premise of the episode, not some movie that some an anybody could see. Mm. Ken Keeler is very specific like that. He wants people to know yeah. that it came from a much deeper source than I just a Richard Gere film. I just know because I watched the commentary, he seems sincerely angry that people thought this was a Summer's Bee <laughs> episode. He, he gets kind of mad at jo Bill and Josh a couple times on that, uh, that commentary, I feel like, yeah. Uh, well, he also calls this uh, the best episode of TV he's ever written, which he wrote Time Keeps on Slipping for Futurama, which... Even though I like this episode of The Simpsons, that episode of Futurama is better, I believe. Like the, I mean, the Harlem Globetrotters from space coming to play a game of basketball. That's a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what they thought they were doing in their basketball careers this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so this, uh, I think, too, this episode is so of a piece with, like, Poochie, with Grimes, with uh, even the Lester and Eliza, like... I think or like Deep Space Homer, too. Like, that's something that's like people hate because it was out oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then it's yeah. clearly a classic. <laughs> but, they, but, like, Bill and Josh, their whole time, they were just like fighting against sitcom tropes. They were kind of pushing the edges of the universe all the time. When they, when they introduced Poochie slash Roy in that episode, you're also just supposed to accept the, like, well, yeah, Roy lived with the Simpsons for one week and now he's gone. Just the same as. You're supposed to just shrug and be like, well, he's, Armin Tamzarian doesn't exist anymore. We don't talk about him. This is one of the many canon-breaking episodes from their era, right? So mm -hmm. uh, Sideshow Bob is no longer evil anymore, and uh, yeah, Roger Myers did not invent Itchy and Scratchy, and what other ones? The Millhouses get divorced. The Millhouses get divorced, and uh, Jebediah Springfield is fraud. They really like breaking the show, and it's, it's innocent. It's like slightly naive to think that there was a time in which they believed this show would end at some point. They would think, you know, yeah. 10 seasons. How could it go longer than 10 seasons? But now we're in season 30. Yeah, well, 
currently. (laughs) That's what, if you talk to or hear any commentary from Bill and Josh, especially Josh is, uh, Josh Weinstein is is big on talking about how this particular era of The Simpsons, the reason why they pushed, you know, the envelope so much with Armin Tanzarian and with Frank Grimes is because they were so certain. And, And if you hear about, like, any of the Simpsons writers around this era, even season two, season three, season four, everybody thought that the show was going to be canceled next year because that's just how normal TV shows work. But they were so fucking certain during this era, which, you know, I think informs their choice with that. But I think what makes this so interesting as, as like a piece study is that the regenerative property of TV episodes usually is an episode like Armin Tanzarian. Like regular sitcoms will have, you know, like this one-off episode that, you know, may like bend the canon of the show, but it doesn't make a whole fan base like lose their minds. But I think because you know, Springfield feels so intimate to us and we feel like we really know these characters and that the Simpsons are our family and that, you know, the citizens of Springfield are are, are our friends to their credit is sort of like, you know, making the own wall that they have to jump over, making their own problem, you know, which is why this episode doesn't work as well as, you know, say another episode that, you know, feels like it's more within the canon of the show or doesn't disrupt anything. Well, I think too... Fans felt more hurt by this. Uh, the the alttv.simpsons people maybe felt more upset because Bill and Josh, they were the guys who really cared about the continuity. Like the five and six, which are amazing seasons, may, arguably the best of in the whole se- series. David Merkin wasn't a geek for the, common, uh, the continuity of the Simpsons. Bill and Josh really were, and that's what I love about them. So then when they make an episode that seems to just shrug and be like, eh, what's that matter? Who cares? Like, it, it all just resets. Like, Homer literally says in this episode, do any of you care? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> and so. they love uh, Principal Skinner, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, who ran this season, and they would not let him be mistreated. In fact, they create the version of Skinner that you know and love, like, before uh, Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song, which they wrote. He was just sort of a feckless authoritarian, but they brought in all the specific weirdness and boringness that you love about Skinner, and that really comes out in this episode, too. Yeah, they created the Skinner who uh, will spend, like, happily spend 10 minutes choosing uh, laundry (laughs) detergents, which is, (laughs) it's the best character. Or buying a used tie rack for only the one tie he has, and then buying the motor again. (laughs) But there's sort of a high-level meta layer of this episode that was not really made clear in the execution, in that this episode is about people reacting poorly to a change in a TV show. And in this episode, the Springfielders who are upset with uh, Skinner being an imposter, that's supposed to be you. So, like, Ken Keeler wrote this predicting the outcome, and there's, like, a built-in criticism of the outcome in this episode. But according to him, uh, there were certain scenes cut out and certain lines were changed that don't make that intent clear, that this is an episode about TV. I think it's just, like, 5% less clear than it would have been in Poochie. Like, in Poochie... It's so obvious it's about the show. They draw themselves into the show. When Lisa changes the channel, the TV goes off. Like, they, It's broadcast very heavily that this is about The Simpsons. But in this one, it's, there's just enough of a remove that you just think it's like, is this just about Skinner? And I, I think, too, that this, uh, this really reminds me of You Only Move Twice also because in both those cases, which we did with you guys, yeah. Uh, but in uh, You Only Move Twice, they really thought they were tricking people into thinking like, well, they're not in Springfield anymore. We're starting the season by moving them away. And I think their intention might have been like, 
can we convince people that we really did replace Skinner on the show and every episode onward is going to star uh, <laughs> Martin Sheen playing Seymour Skinner from now on. Uh, but uh, I don't think it really fooled anybody that either. You know it's going to go back to normal because it's a sitcom. Whether, whether uh, Judge Snyder shows up or not, you know everything resets. I, I do like the idea of there being like deleted scenes where it is like animated Ken Keeler like yelling at the fans. It's like, it's you. Do you get it? It's about the TV show. Do you get it? <laughs> do you get it? Turning to camera. <laughs> he sort of is Homer in the scene we'll see later where Homer's saying, why do you care? Like, does anybody care? I think that is really him in that role mm -hmm. saying, why do you care that we did this? And telling and asking fans, why do you care is kind of... Uh, that's going to incense some fans, I think, because yeah. they're like, well, then why am I watching your show if I'm not supposed to care? That's the wrong question. <laughs> you think that after, I mean, uh, again, this is what, the second episode of season eight, right? Uh, season nine. Season yeah. nine or season yeah. nine, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me. Um, uh, do you think that they, at this point, haven't earned enough seasons of The Simpsons? I mean, we now know that it's 30 plus seasons, but at the time, nine seasons is a lot of seasons for a show. Have they not earned one for fun? I'm going to call it from like now a, on. Like a scratch card. Yeah. You, get, you do nine good episodes and you get one bad episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to say that this is bad, but you know, just one for me. Well, give, I mean, they did, a few, one. They, they did a few for <laughs> that. Like, Simpsons spinoff showcase is definitely a one for them. Yeah, yeah. Like, they... Uh, which I think, yeah, that's why I think, too, if this was not at the start of the season, I think it wouldn't have had as... This breaks... This does no more to break the universe in Simpsons spinoff showcase or Frank Grimes electrocuting himself to death in front of everyone and then Homer snoring at his funeral. Like, that is <laughs> a meaner message than this one, I'd say. Or same with, like, actually the... The Simpsons spinoff showcase ends with them basically shitting on the idea of season nine. Of like, uh, what's coming up for season nine? Wedding after wedding after wedding. <laughs> Nasmodiar. It's all going downhill in season but nine. But they've always, from like day one, made fun of themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they've made fun of themselves for being on Fox. They made fun of themselves for being a shitty sitcom. And I'm sure a lot of that is like Harvard guys looking down on TV writing, even though they do it, but they hate themselves. So it's just a never-ending <laughs> cycle. But you're right, I mean, this is the 180th episode, I think, at this point. So they have earned the chance to screw around just once or twice by now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as far as this being called the Jump the Shark episode, I mean, there's also, there's so many moments after this that far, I mean, like, them hanging out with Kid Rock or sync. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was more of a Jump the Shark moment for I, me. It was an innocent time in which this could be considered the worst episode. I think it was that for maybe three years before the Maude Flanders episode. So oh, don't say. It lived it in that infamy for three years, and like, let's forget about this Skinner episode. It would me. be great, though, that if, if I had not seen it, but like uh, them hanging out with Kid Rock was like, Four episodes long. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I respect that bold choice. Just half a season. Kid Rock is a guest star on The Simpsons. <laughs> he could have been the new Roy. <laughs> he could have been the new. He was Roy. <laughs> that's what. That's what Roy graduated to. <laughs> I mean, also like there's. I would say this does break continuity. If you want to be a real continuity nerd, like uh, I mean, maybe me. Um, you could say like, well, this c invalidates uh, Skinner being Armin Tamzarian. Saying before he was a POW, or saying, but or reserving in the army again under Seymour Skinner, which you feel like the army would have said, "You can't be here. That guy's dead. You're not him." Uh, so it doesn't work with that. But uh, like you're, you are supposed to be just told, like, who cares? Like that. That's the message at the end. I, I was more annoyed when they said Ned Flanders was 60 because that really did not fit with his. Yeah, that, with his that ain't right. 
well, I think, too, another thing that made people turn on this one or feel okay to call this a jump the shark moment is that producers on the show have been open about not liking this episode. Like, Matt Groening in multiple interviews has said this is a low point for the show, an episode he regrets. Harry Shearer, like we said, not a fan. Also, in the Mike Scully produced seasons, they had, uh, they called this one of the most nonsensical plots in Behind the Laughter. This was marked as a low point this moment. And Al Jean in season 14 on the episode I Dobot, they reference it in a negative way of Lisa saying that Snowball, after Snowball 2 has died a bunch of times, we're just going to call the new Snowball 2, Snowball 2. And if you're mad about that, remember Armin Tamzarian. Like, so. Yeah, they kind of use it as a punching bag. Yeah, no, it, this is seen, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's just an, an overall rejection of like Bill and Josh's legacy a little bit that I'm not a fan of, you know? I, I don't like that. I do like the idea of Al Jean being like, the problem with Apu, what about the, pl- the problem with Armin? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> is that why everyone was mad at him on Twitter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Let's talk about Armin some more. Let's, t- let's move away from that Apu stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun uh, tonight, right? Oh, yes, yeah. Well, I guess last thing I'd uh, say before we get into the clips here is I think I do. Yeah, I just wish Keeler Keeler is a little defensive on the commentary. I just wish he had been just he could have kept in those lines that made it more clear this was a commentary on TV. Like there's just yeah. it's it's missing just that little bit that would have done it. The cl- I think uh, this I think is supposed to feel like more like a live action sitcom when a character gets written off of it and. They're just leaving for no reason. It's just because their contract's up after seven seasons or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes it a... a the, I like that commentary. Uh, it just should have been a little more clear, I think. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a really good point because it's such a bad trope. Like, I think, like, Tobey Maguire, like, went to Africa at the end of that 70s show, right? Like, he, like, d- he, like, went to a different Oh, continent. you mean Topher Grace? Topher Grace. Grace. I was like, <laughs> whoa, wait well, a Tobey minute. Maguire might be a Spider-Man. <laughs> they were both in a Spider-Man. Um, and then, like, I'm trying to think of other, like, oh, like, Blue's right. Clues. It was just, like, uh, Joe or Steve, like, went to college, and it was just, like, who knows what and was happening. Like, he was a man? <laughs> 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 and on, I think on Family Matters... Cat. On Family Matters, uh, kids just disappeared. There was like one less <laughs> child suddenly. <laughs> they went upstairs and were never seen again. <laughs> that is really funny though, because I think if people thought of it in that way, it suddenly becomes a very funny, uh, agreeable episode. They're just making fun of, yeah. And, and I they've established you. themselves as being making fun of classic sitcom tropes and especially like 70s TV. I mean, it's, at least it's not as egregious as like recasting a character and then like, you know, pretending like it never happened, like bewitched style, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or if you've watched the latest um, season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're allowed to hate this episode. I, I personally frown upon it, uh, upon you hating it, of course, but I think so much has happened in the past 22 years that I think we can look at it now isolated as a funny, good experiment, I think. Yeah. yeah. And if you, if you didn't like it, the show didn't like it either, and they immediately retracted everything they did in this episode. So and you like win anyways. Marge like made out with Lady Gaga. There have been worse, crazier things yeah. that have happened on The Simpsons. Yeah. I'm always going to be on the side of, it's hard to write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a full excuse, but it's, it's hard. But I, I still think that, I mean, we get Armin's copy of Swank in this episode. <laughs> How could you yeah. possibly there be upset? There <laughs> are. There are multiple meme-worthy jokes in this one that I think get overlooked by the Simpsons shit-posting community because it's in principle in the popper, yeah. you know? I, 
Like, uh, well, actually, in this next, in this first clip here, Ooh. we're going to see one of my my favorite lines that I wish was became the next Cromulent. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have it going on. <laughs> oh, let the good times roll. <laughs> good Lord. The rod up that man's butt must have a rod up its butt. Oh, Superintendent Chalmers, can I offer you a cup of coffee-flavored beverine? Yeah, I take it gray with creamium. But first, before Skinner shows up, I have a secret announcement. In honor of Seymour's 20th year as principal, we've decided to hold a surprise tribute Friday night. It's my 20th year, too. <laughs> the teacher's lounge is for teachers, Willie. Uh, so, creamy, uh, Beverine and Creamium, it's in the I same league uh, as Malk and uh, Brown and Water. I, I fucking love when they take shots at public schools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because they're underfunded. Uh, but Beverine, that's such a funny name. Like, it's, it's like Ovaltine, but for coffee. <laughs> well, what I really love is that you get it in, like, such a confident line read from Superintendent Chalmers, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, take it away. You know, it's just, like, something that you get the sense that he's asked this all the time. And, and I love, like, a specific, a hyper-specific of a word that they invented <laughs> said, like, normal language. It's just, mm, it's a spicy meatball. <laughs> but you're right, Beverine should have been cromulent or embiggen. Exactly, yeah. It's. Uh, it's it's overlooked. I I also love uh, Chalmers sneaking around is great because he knows by the rules of the universe that we're Skinner to see him, then he has to go Skinner. <laughs> so he must be hidden until that until he wants to be seen by Skinner. We were I think we were talking about this before the show, and that this has the most Chalmers per minute. I think so. In he's any in episode, every act. Yeah, yeah, he's in every act. He's always hovering around the new Skinner. It's just so much Chalmers <laughs> is happening. I'm a fan. And uh, they're really, they're really. This is the beginning of shitting on Willie, and that everyone hates Willie. <laughs> I, I feel so bad for him. And, uh, and Skinner, I let this be known too. Skinner always walks around with a pocket watch, a tuning fork, and a ruler. Like that's just <laughs> always with him, at least at school. And uh, yeah, so we get to the kids prepping. We see that Ralph and Lisa get assigned to give a presentation on Skinner, which if they want to keep it a secret, I would not tell Ralph. That is one character I would not tell about a secret surprise. They do tell every child in the school, and somehow yeah. it doesn't get out. <laughs> I mean, Skinner's a very unobservant man. I guess his world is very small, too. So, <laughs> And uh, that's when we get to see, like, Ralph, there's some good stupid Ralph stuff in there. The uh, him, him not knowing which one one is, that's, that's probably my favorite. <laughs> Uh, and you also get, uh, you see Bart prepping for it, too, with him just putting dog food together. Now, a few <laughs> episodes earlier in the Canine Mutiny, Bart, Homer tries to make Bart eat dog food. And yet, the tables have turned now. And he wasn't even planning on that, either. <laughs> no. Well, now I read it when Homer comes in and says, like, ooh, and a, a fresh batch of America balls. I feel like Bart has served Homer America balls many times. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's a consistent prank that well, he's never learned yeah. from. He just likes, I mean, it's not a prank because he enjoys eating dog food, ultimately. Yeah, and Marge asks, like, why are you making these out of dog food? And he just says, my theory is he just likes dog food. <laughs> and I test it. And I have to blame Homer for not, there's, there's like five open cans of dog food in front of his America balls. Yeah, it's so. not hidden at all. 
Maybe he's like Agnes, and he he knows it's dog food, just the same that Agnes does. It's he wants really an excuse to eat dog food. <laughs> Such a glorious low stakes prank because it's still food. Yeah. Yeah. It's edible. <laughs> to dogs, it's just food. Protein. Uh, but yes, after after we get the setup of the kids working on it, we get to see uh, Skinner's wonderful Friday night home life. Seymour, <laughs> <laughs> tell me what time it is now. Seven o'clock Friday night, mother. Time for our weekly silhouette. No, <laughs> cutting out your ugly nose gives me a hand cramp. No, oh, but you love silhouette night, and then we go through your bird book and make up silly <laughs> captions. Mother, why are you all dressed up? I'm sick of this house, and I'm sick of you. Tonight, we're going for a drive. Mm, what's so special about tonight? Nothing. Now put on your special suit and get in the car. Yes, Mother. <laughs> why are we stopping in my school, Mother? What does it say on that sign? I don't like your tone. <laughs> Happy anniversary, son. Oh, Mother. You are still the master of deception. I surely am. <laughs> it's funny, in this ruse designed to ultimately honor Skinner, she gets to be much more abusive. It, gets, it gives her the license to be even more abusive. I fucking abusive. love this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she's, I mean, she's like dialed up to 11 in this. It must have been just so fun to act it and write it for her. I love that as the show progressed, she became like such a mean character. And I think you really see it in like the twisted world of Marge Simpson, like all like all of the women in Simpson in the My name is Agnes. Yeah. It means lamb. Lamb of God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's such a good choice and it fits so well with the skinner that we know now. But it's it's sweet that she's being abusive to aid her son's surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the surprise is like an accessory to the abuse, <laughs> I feel. I, well, uh, I mean she was introduced as a sweet old lady who gets her ass exploded by a cherry bomb. <laughs> in Maybe Martha that's Genius. what turned her. I think we had that at sort of like Joker's origin story. <laughs> yeah, she calls him Spanky, which that uh, she never called him Spanky again after that first uh, appearance in Crepes of Wrath, I believe. It okay, uh, we get of it. Wrath. Yeah, yeah. All right. You're nerds. You've done a podcast. Hey, we gotta, <laughs> gotta prove it. That's <laughs> what they paid money for this. Uh, silhouette Night is so funny, which you guys can see the wonderful Nina Matsumoto art there incorporates yeah. the silhouette into it. You can buy them. Yes, we do have the poster out front if you guys would like one for yourselves. Uh, and yes, the, the the silhouette night, I wonder if, uh, is every wall in their house plastered with it? Because if they make 52 a year... Maybe they sell them. Maybe it's a nice little side hustle. Mm, oh, she, you know, she could sell it in the church uh, rec center where she sells other things, right? Or at least, like, force them on people. <laughs> if I found out that, like, the elementary school principal, like, made silhouettes with his mom every Friday night at 7, I'd probably buy them. <laughs> That's, like, very charming or funny, depending on what type of principal and it is. And then cut to your episode of Marie Kondo, <laughs> and you <laughs> open up a closet. <laughs> Thank you, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you, goodbye. Wake them up. A hundred times. <laughs> Uh, and then Agnes is proud of being the master of deception, too. She, like, she wear, uh, that's a title she wears with honor. And they all just start just also, uh, you know what? She tells him to wear a special suit, and he just wears his regular <laughs> outfit. That, that's his only suit. But doesn't that say everything that to him that uh, is special? Yeah, I think yeah. it's very sweet. Also, that, that sign gag is fantastic, but it also pays off plot-wise in like a couple minutes. So I, I really like yeah, that about right. it, too. Uh, so we get to see Mar, uh, Lisa and Ralph presenting, and... <laughs> 
giving you like the minor facts you need to know about Skinner. Like if you're a new viewer, you need to know he's a Vietnam vet. So this is them quickly expressing it and putting <laughs> a hard date of 1966 on it, which would make Skinner seven in his 70s now, I think. Yeah. Or close to 80. I, I just like uh, Ralph's perspective on this principle. He's an old <laughs> man who lives at the school. And I, I love how he relishes the fact that he was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, th I feel like in the Scully years, they did a lot more of the kids host uh, award show kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's, uh, that's Some uh, Rugrat style humor, we call it. Uh, yeah, now you're making it sound bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, then they sing. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, is Rugrats polarizing? Oh. Yeah. Do you guys not like Rugrats? Uh, I, I, I'm, fi I'm fine with Rugrats. Henry it's apparently fine. thinks it's a, some sort of slur. Well, it's I a mean, slur. No. Mark Mothersbaugh did the theme song. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Say. It's a negative on The Simpsons. It's, it's the only like show cartoon that had like Jewish characters. So. I was going to say. Well, they have a great oh. Hanukkah episode. Krusty the Clown predates the Hanukkah special. <laughs> oh, Henry, why are you a hate monger? <laughs> class no, please. I, I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, hey, why don't we play a clip instead? <laughs> Tribute to Seymour Skinner. Pull over, driver. Now, I know the school normally serves cake only on Thursdays, and I'm also well aware that today is Friday. Nevertheless, I have a surprise for you. I hope you all brought forks and plates. Mm -hmm. I love that joke. What the? An enjoyment buzzer. <laughs> oh, thank you. What a wonderful night to share with the people and the town that I love. I have never been happier or prouder to be Seymour Skinner. You're not Seymour Skinner. Skinner. Skinner? I'm Skinner. Seymour? I'm... Mother. She's my mother. Will someone remove that crazy man, please? No, no, he's... He's not crazy. It's true. I'm... I'm... an imposter. That man is the real Seymour Skinner. Keep looking shocked and move slowly towards the cake. <laughs> Uh, he's used well in this episode. <laughs> Delight dusting of Homer. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, Bill and Josh have talked about is that when they do have uh, episodes about other characters, they always have to, like, shoehorn, like, the Simpsons family into it. And uh, it's always really funny to see, like, how are they going to make it work? And, of course, it's food. Like, it, <laughs> the, of course, America balls and cake are the way that you get Homer back in. Yeah, the Simpsons are kind of, this is the most hands-off the Simpsons are, I think, in any of the Bill and Josh ones where the, uh, it's focused on a separate character. Uh, until the end when the Simpsons, like, they are the person who drives him back to town and forces Skinner back. Yeah. But uh, I think it's better than A Millhouse Divided in which that episode was about Millhouse's parents until the third act when it's like, no, it's about the Simpsons now. I care about these characters instead. I think they are showing a little more self-control in that. No, people will watch this entire episode about Skinner. They've done it before. And the... Uh, God, somebody, the enjoyment buzzer. No yeah. one calls it that. That's so <laughs> great. <laughs> 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 Bart mugging to the audience. <laughs> 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 
And and then Chalmers has to like he needs to let people know that this isn't Thursday, but we still have cake. Like it, he and knows really it would surprise. be chaos otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and also that. So the arrival of Skinner, played by Martin Sheen, who uh, if, uh, I should have had the anti-death jingle here for you. Oh, right. But uh, he's still hanging in there? No, he's fine. Yeah. He's fine. You've been known from Mass Effect 2, of course, <laughs> his famous role. <laughs> he sat down a lot in that game. Uh, in, the, in, this, uh, in this episode, though, I, I love his design because it, it looks just enough like Armin Tamzarian that if he had been gone for six years and Armin came back, you'd be like, kind of like him, sure. I don't have photographs. It's the 60s. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and that it also really reminds me of Larry Burns in He's a Stranger Who Arrives to Town who this basically looks like Martin Sheen if you put prosthesis on his face to look more like Skinner. Just like Larry Burns is basically Rodney Dangerfield with Mr. Burns' nose. <laughs> so this is the pre-West Wing era for Martin Sheen. So he's known more for Spawn than he is for <laughs> playing the president. <laughs> It really happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, he was Tony Twist. You, uh, uh, don't wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you I, don't care. I failed. I No, I, I'm embarrassed I failed at my comic book trivia. Uh, it's spawn knowledge. Be proud of yourself. I would have loved the Grace and Frankie era Martin Sheen making an appearance on The Simpsons. Mm. <laughs> they can bring it back. I, like, what if they did an episode where Sergeant Seymour Skinner came back to town and it uh, they had to, like, kill him or something? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a bad pitch. I take <laughs> that. Back. Well, they have to fill a two-season episode order, so you better run, not walk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think uh, the animation gets overlooked a lot in this one too, because it's such a controversial episode. But Stephen D. Moore and his team did a really great job of like every crowd is filled with specific to school or parent characters. Like yeah, the staging is really cool too. Like when he does the confession, he's his face is facing away from the camera. Yeah. You see everyone's shocked faces. You don't see his shame, and you just get to take in the shocked faces, and it makes the arrival on Homer all the funnier because you just see this real shock at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the next scene here is uh, it's a bit of a long clip, but we have to know every detail. Even don't get bored like Bart does in this, too. But this, <laughs> you need every detail of his arrival in Vietnam. Now let's clear this up. Who exactly are you? Sergeant Seymour Skinner, U.S. Army. It's true. I was in his platoon. But they said you were killed on that scouting mission. No, just captured. It's kind of a funny story, really. After five years in a secret POW camp, I was sold to China for slave labor. And since 77, I've been making sneakers at gunpoint in a sweatshop in Wuhan. That's not a funny story. Well, I guess you had to be there. Anyhow, the UN shut the factory down last week, and the embassy shipped me home. And here I am. So what's your story, Seymour, if that is your real name? Well, obviously it isn't. <laughs> My real name is Armin Tamzarian. <gasps> There's a secret history to Armin Tamzarian, right? Yes, yeah. It's, uh, it was a clean... So Ken Keeler got in a car accident you know, on his first day living in L.A., and his claims adjuster's name was Armin Tamzarian. And that name stuck with him forever. And they then, uh, when it came to this episode, they're like, oh, that'd be a funny name. And later he would end up being like an attorney who worked with Bill and Josh. So they got to know him. But when the episode aired, he didn't know, Armin Tamzarian didn't know he was in it. 
And I believe in television production, that's kind of a sticky situation when you have a very specific character named after a person uh, in real life who could sue, especially a guy who is a lawyer yeah. as well. <laughs> but apparently he was very agreeable about it. Just like, oh, that's uh, weird. And they, on the commentary, they're even like, Fox might just cut this because <laughs> it, uh, it, it's just legally dicey enough. But they didn't cut that, even though there are a lot of... Uh, Telltale silences in this episode's yeah. commentary. A lot of a lot of silence. Yeah, I, I don't know if Armin would have been happier later after everyone hated this episode and that name became like a curse word online for Simpsons fans. Mm. But he liked I, it at the time. He was flattered. He sounds like a mild mannered guy who doesn't go on alt TV. That's, That's true. Um, I was so we flew in from LA to be here, and uh, they had like the intercom saying who was late for flights. And the person who was late for my flight was Armin Tamarian, which what? was like so close that I truly felt like maybe I was dreaming. I think he changed his name. <laughs> I think he changed his name. Uh, but yeah, wouldn't it be amazing if it was that lawyer who was just like, I need to change this. <laughs> so uh, call me stupid, but I think it just hit me that that joke of there's an extra meaning to, well, you had to be there in that they were stuck. It was prison labor. You uh, had to be there. Okay. I watched this episode 60 times, and that's a joke now. It's finally it hit yeah. me. I think I want to think that's intentional. Uh, it's important to know when you see the real Skinner, he has just reentered society after 20 years of torture and slave labor. So he's a very disturbed man who probably needs a lot of therapy and help and assistance. And I think in this episode, Chalmers is secretly a social worker. He's always, like, nearby. I think he's afraid he's going to inflict some harm on a child. I mean... I, I think so. He yeah. should be afraid. Of, I mean, he shouldn't be around... Anybody, if he was just released from a prison camp last week, but I guess that's his generation. Like he's like, no, I'm back to work. Got to go to the school, get my job. I, uh, I guess it is actually very. It is a sad episode when you think of it that way. Like that he was tortured and then is catapulted out of town. <laughs> uh, suddenly does make me like it a little less. But <laughs> I digress. It's 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 an interesting character. And that he was doing slave labor. I'll say that. <laughs> well, he was doing, you know, prison labor into his, you know, fifties. Like that's not. That's uh, rough. Yeah, pretty. But he just laughs it off. He's fine, fine with it. I think after a couple decades, <laughs> the, the other coworkers become your family. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just your new normal, and you know, I'm sure it's all relative. It's all relative. You're right. Same shit, different day. Mm. <laughs> you do what you can to survive. Uh, real Skinner is much more insulted by a lack of patriotism in students than, uh, than being a prisoner for 25 <laughs> years. Uh, but yeah, so we get to hear how Armin Tamzarian and Skinner ended up in the same place. I'm an orphan from Capital City, and those who recall my fight to outlaw teenage rudeness may be shocked to learn that I myself was once a street punk. <laughs> headed it was just a matter of time before I wound up in front of a judge. <laughs> they gave me a choice. Jail, the army, or apologizing to the judge and the old lady. You know, of course, if I'd known there was a war going on, I probably would have apologized. <laughs> Trying to get yourself killed, Tamzarian? You've got your whole life ahead of you. Don't you have any dreams? My dreams all involve combing my hair. Oh, gosh, son. Everybody's got dreams. 
I come from a town called Springfield. And my dream is to go back and become principal of the elementary school. Some people might call that a pretty corny dream, <laughs> Sergeant. Well, there's nothing corny about fresh-faced youngsters skipping to school, scraping knees and spelling bees and pies cooling softly on the windowsill. <laughs> well, sir, if that's corny, then corn me up. Sergeant Skinner took me under his wing and showed me that life was worth living. I came to think of him as the big brother I never had. It made me believe I might have a future after all. And when they told us he was missing, presumed dead, my future died once again. My life lost all meaning. Come on, get to the part where you steal his identity. <laughs> I'm trying to explain how emotionally fragile I was. Oh, it's one of those stories. <clears throat> we were talking about things that did become memes. I really enjoy a corn me up. Corn, corn me up should me absolutely. Corn me up. <laughs> yeah, when you leave here tonight, find a way to sneak corn me up in the conversation. <laughs> Whisper it into your lover's ear. <laughs> I also want to say um, that whole scene between, uh, I'm just going to say the two Skinners, feels to me like a deleted scene from Waiting for Guffman in such a great way. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty corny dream. Like, it just, ooh, it makes me feel good. I, love it. I That's the corniness that Skinner aspired to emulate. Like, when you see that real Skinner is is that earnest and corny, that's that's what Armin is like, yeah, that's what my, I should do. And it flies by so fast, but it's actually a very informing character moment to know that Skinner is an orphan. He never had a family, parents, anything. And so, I mean, that's also probably why he's accepted. He, when he thinks a mother's love is screaming at you and slapping you in the face, <laughs> I, I wonder if that's partially from his upbringing as well. It's very sweet and sad. So when you see real Skinner's dreams of what being a principal is, I think that's also why he gets so angry later in the episode because his dreams are being portrayed by real yeah, children. Confronted with the reality of awful children. <laughs> do, do you think it's possible that that lawyer character is uh, like has the same likeness of, as the real Armin mm. Tamsarian? Mm. It seemed interesting that they chose a lawyer slash judge. It'd be funnier if he looked like a blue-haired lawyer. Like <laughs> <laughs> that would be very funny. <laughs> uh, and also, I think that that Bart's reaction is what they feared the children watching the show would be like. Like, get get on with this, guys. Yeah, Come I mean, on. they can't put too many jokes in a, an episode where they're trying to evoke emotions. I mean, there's a few good jokes in that flashback, but they have to keep it semi-serious to get you invested. So Bart is the little kid watching, wanting more jokes. Mm -hmm. And though they there have I, there's an overall joke to that corny scene of. Uh, all happening on an active battlefield while they're all being shot at. <laughs> and and uh, it's, uh, that's pretty scary. But uh, and the action, oh my god, the action in this episode from Stephen D. Moore and the animation team, like the motorcycle skidding yeah. scene just has so yeah. much like energy to it. And the reveal of the soldiers, which is three flashes in the fourth one, I they're know. all revealed. It's very yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's not a joke about, you know, Vietnam. It's just like, this is scary. War sucks. Like, uh, and so after... After Skinner is assumed dead, we now get to see the first real meeting between Armin and Agnes. Sergeant Skinner meant the world to me, and I, I felt it was my duty to deliver the grim news to his mother. <coughs> Hello, I'm, uh, I'm... Seymour? Is that you? 
I don't know why I did what I did. I guess I couldn't bear to tell her about her son. What I did was wrong, but I'd do it again. Yes, Mother, it's me. You look different somehow. But you must be Seymour. Yes, you are Seymour. As strange as it sounds, deep down I think she knew I wasn't her son, but a lie made us both happier than the truth ever could have. You can have some lima beans as soon as you've cleaned your room. Go! Upstairs, third door on the left. Don't walk on the rocks! Yes, Mother. Don't judge her too harshly, Sergeant. She was a lonely old woman. If you must blame someone, blame me. Well, that's pretty much what I was planning to do there. <laughs> well, that's about it. So for the past 26 years, I've dedicated myself to living out your dream. I didn't dream anything about an aqua suit or a lavender shirt, but you did take care of Mom. A dagger! A dagger through my heart! Oh, here, Mother, let me help you. Get your hands off me! Please, Mom. You too, stranger! I'm your son. I have no son. Look, lady, you obviously have at least one son. No! <laughs> I have one stranger and one fraud. Take it easy, Mom. I said back off! You better do as she says. She's quick with a hat pin. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose I'll have to find a hotel. I won't hear of it. Tonight, you can sleep on the floor of your office. <laughs> so I think uh, the real Skinner is very much like a real person in this world, sort of like Frank Grimes, right? Or yeah. Palmer's, in that he is pointing out the weirdness of this world, and that Skinner's suit is bizarre. It's a very season one of the Simpsons design, where if you look at all the other men in suits in that scene, they all have normal colored suits, but Skinner's <laughs> suit is the most bizarre it's colors to have on a character. It's a special suit. Yeah, it's well, his one suit. <laughs> I never questioned that p color palette until uh, Real Skinner does on him. Like a lavender, a lavender shirt and an aqua suit is and a salmon cute. colored tie. Yeah, yeah. Really. he skipped the tie. It's pretty cool. If I saw someone dressed like that before, obviously thinking like you look like Skinner, I'd be like, what a bold, brave man. Well, I mean, as we see um, in Stark Raving Dad, like Homer wears a pink shirt and it becomes the you know. How dare you? Oh, <laughs> Whose phone was you. that? <laughs> I was going to roll into the secret of how The Simpsons ends, and now I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's Never out. Mind. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, the, I, that, okay, so Agnes. Agnes knew all along he was not her son. I mean, you can only see a folded flag and, and assume so much. Right. And, so I think that also makes their kind of Norman Bates psycho interaction even weirder that it is like kind of a sort of consensual sub-dom relationship between the two of them. Don't do that. There's what? no reason to what? do this. <laughs> I don't need these buzzwords <laughs> in the algorithm with my name. <laughs> it truly is so funny, though, that, she, that he would say... Uh, Somehow I knew, and then it couldn't be more laid out. Obviously, it's like you know, upstairs to the right. It's it made me laugh very loud in the airport today. And I got I got to think for the next like two years of his life, she under her breath says, "No, you went here. This is where it is." Like she she corrects him the whole time. Also, there's a great. It's barely imperceptible, but the the sound Foley work. You can hear him stepping like it's on a rug. Yeah. And then when she says, "Don't step on the rugs," you then hear clack clack clack. Yeah. And, <laughs> Which, like, he never stepped on the rugs in his home ever again after that. 
it's just a joke. <laughs> oh, come um, on now. There, there was a really great uh, Twitter thread that went viral that I'm sure everyone in this room participated in, which was just like, what is your favorite like line read of The Simpsons? And um, there should definitely be like a very like a, a new one of obscure line reads because I love how she emphasizes you could have some lima beans. She's <laughs> like, what? Who says it like that? Agnes My does. favorite is um, when they see Tony Bennett in Capital City. They go, oh, it's Tony Bennett. And he goes, hey, good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> it blew, I thought that there was a distinct reason why he said that. It was just how he said it that day. Anyway. I think uh, mine is, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, uh, well, if I have to pick one uh, right now, I think Frank Grimes is, wah! Wah! <laughs> like that, that's pretty good. That's not understated at all. That's actually quite overstated. That's because you do the best impression of it. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> thank you. Um, so uh, I, and I also love the, just the movement of Skinner thinks that Chalmers finally being nice to him and offering to let him stay at his house and just the way he just looks down at the floor after Chalmers, <laughs> Chalmers insists he sleep in his office. It's almost like he's commanding him to, like he's in jail. He's like, no, you have to stay here. You can't leave your office. He, he just because Chalmers tells him to, he sleeps there, even though he could just go to a hotel. Yeah, or Edna's. But he does sleep on <laughs> yeah. the floor. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think that it's malicious in any way. I think that it's just like a really fun classic misdirect. Like, oh, come on, we can't. You know, like, you sleep here. Like, I, I don't think that there's any more. But may I just say, Ralph was right, and he's an old man who sleeps at the school. Wow. Oh, the crop oh. So Lisa was wrong the entire time. <laughs> yeah, Lisa's dumb. And Ralph was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Come back the next morning. Skinner is having trouble integrating back into society now as a fraud. Bart is just calling him on it to his face. And uh, then we get this scene feels to me like the sequel to Billy and the Clonosaurus. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, should I sign my original name? Just put an X, then call yourself whatever the hell you want. Well, no, there's no need for profanity. My name may have changed, but I'm still the same man I was last week. Not to us, you're not. I mean, how would you feel if you suddenly found out Ned Flanders was an imposter? Who's Ned Flanders? My next-door neighbor, religious guy. Oh, you mean Reverend Lovejoy. No, I don't. What I mean is, to me, you're just a stranger pretending to be something he's not. Mm, I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel. No, don't apologize. It's time I stop pretending. I've called this assembly to announce my retirement, effective as of the end of this sentence. <laughs> this sentence I'm speaking. Right now. Period. <gasps> Wrongfully usurped Sergeant Skinner's position, and I suggest you consider him to replace me. Thank you. Well, now, I don't know. Skinner, do you know anything about being a principal? Well, it's been my lifelong ambition. And if a man pretending to be me could do it, well, then, logically, the real me must be far more qualified. Good enough. <laughs> Armin Tanzarian's reign of terror is over. Now, let us welcome our new Principal Skinner... Principal Seymour Skinner. Uh, him. So the real Skinner is insane, right? <laughs> He's an insane man. 
by insisting that logically he should have this job as his principal just because he's the real Skinner. And Chalmers just accepts it, just Good as enough. he usually does yeah. with the insanity of Springfield. Like he just said, uh, oh yeah, you're not fired anymore. Uh, I gotta go. Like that's that's just how that's that's how Chalmers rolls. It's how he get. Uh, or it also reminds me of Chalmers. Like he just says, hey, he seems to know the kids' names. That's 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 all that someone needs to be the principal. Uh, with the Billy and the Clonosaurus reference, uh, I really love any time that uh, Apu is just so frustrated with the other characters. Uh, but something that Julia and I always love is when uh, we're reminded that not everyone in Springfield knows who one another is. Like it makes, you know, because like that is kind of a trope that they're making fun of, that every single person in the world or the universe of whatever sitcom knows each other. I love that they don't know each other, but then that you actually see Flanders like in the front row of this. Like he should yeah. know who Flanders is. He's in every single background. And all the characters mentioned are played by Harry Shearer too, <laughs> which That's was Flanders lovely. And, Joel, love <laughs> and Ned briefly replaced Skinner as principal yes. of the school too. <laughs> uh, though it's it also it reminds me of uh, Ned not knowing who Lenny is. Yeah, right, 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 right. Sure yeah, I mean even it. Homer needs help with who Lenny and Carl <laughs> are. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the, the audience is very good at knowing, like, well, you haven't said period. That would be the end of your sentence. They're just mm -hmm. waiting and just blank, just a blank audience there. And, uh, yeah, the, the I, I really like the shot of the two Skinners standing next to Chalmers, too. Like, it's a nice, uh, I don't know, symmetry to it. I like that. Uh, and, yeah, Skinner walks away. He's off the show now forever. It's, it's done. And uh, that his uh, first... He, so he has to say goodbye to the, his family or his people who aren't his family. One family, family yes. <laughs> and, uh, there is a quick. It's not in the clip here, but the uh, the Radio Shack Battery Club. That is a that is a very funny. <laughs> thing. You lived he, a good life. <laughs> <laughs> he talks fairly highly of his trip to upstate New York, and has somehow got ten Canadian dollars. He didn't he didn't cross the border, but he got ten Canadian dollars in upstate New York. Well, clearly that was why he brought up Albany expressions yeah. and steamed hams. He remembered his trip to upstate New York. Uh, th there really are so many sweet, tender moments of The Simpsons, and that's always what kind of makes an episode so special. But I really do love the line when, uh, you know, he's Skinner's obvious, or Armin is clearly setting up that his life is kind of lame. The fact that he has, like, no offense, but like the Radio Shack loyalty card or Battery Club, whatever, um, and the Canadian dollars, no offense to Canadians, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, he gets the response back of like, you lived a good life. And he responds back like, it's your life. I just kept it warm for you. And that mm. like, t yeah, truly that's a really like good line. My I also bit. really like, I mean, obviously this is a c cartoon comedy, so we don't need to get into like, uh, you know, the mishkas of like paperwork with like the IRS to transfer an identity. <laughs> but I do love the choice of these sort of petty arbitrary things being all that divides you between being the person to your left. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all I need to do is circa this era give you my blockbuster card and the keys to my car and now you're Julia. You know? I don't know if this is in any, in any clip that you have, but I also love that as uh, Skinner, uh, Armin is leaving, uh, he's given a poached fish right. uh, from Agnes. Like what a, what a going away gift. It's yeah. a way, yeah, actually that, that is uh, in this next clip. Though the fish distracts me. So it's such a cartoony <laughs> fish. Right? It's like General Sherman or something. Everybody yeah. look at the fish while we watch the clip. <laughs> oh, I nearly forgot. Your pocket watch. Mother's picture is still inside. Take good care of her. I'll wind her every day. <laughs> I poached some fish for your trip, Mr. Tantarian. <laughs> They're full of tiny bones, so I want you to be careful. I will, Mother. <laughs> 
Good. Mrs. Skinner. Well, I better be going. Good evening, Edna. I know we were planning to see a film tonight, but instead I'm leaving town forever. No, please, I don't care what you've done. You're still a decent, honorable man. Mm, that's the kind of talk that makes me want to marry you. Oh. But instead, I'm leaving town forever. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, man. Uh, I, that's I, so cruel. I challenge anyone who's single to use that line when it's just not really working out. <laughs> oh, God. It's so... I think that might be the meanest line to fans, though, yeah. that they recognize what the normal response would be, but that wouldn't continue the plot in the direction they want, so he just has to say, like, instead, I'm leaving town for, for He's really playing by the rules of the story. He knows the story it's being told, I think. Yes, yeah. Wait, you, you're saying you would prefer him to instantly marry Edna Krabappel on the spot? I think so it is a fake-out, right? He should start a new life with her. Like, he's now he's Armin again. Like, yeah, what, now he's free of Agnes. Why not marry Edna? Like, not she's, she's <laughs> down for it. Uh it makes me think of the line later, which I'm sorry to step on, when Edna says to real Skinner, just like, you haven't spoken to women in, uh, women in a long time, have you? And he just says, are you asking me out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does he think he's resuming that relationship as well now that he's Skinner? That's <laughs> true. Uh, and the, yeah, you get to the, it is a sad moment of him, uh, of Agnes hugging Armin too, and the way they just like blankly look of like, are we, what is this hug now? I really love it when the writers like indulge their romance in it, because it feels like like one of the truest romantic relationships that we've seen throughout the course of the show, and you know, their episode, their initial episode is just so heartbreaking. Um, but I also, going back earlier in the clip, I want to touch on how the eyes, particularly, of Agnes Skinner and Armin Tanzarian are animated when they do that side hug, that they kind of, like, bug out in a lifeless, depressed way. Like, the animators are just, like, pulling all of these details from all these different angles to really tell, like, a really, really dense, you know, story that has all these details that just make you feel all these emotions. And that's all while the fish had his eyes bugged yeah. out <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, I hadn't caught it the first time, but the second time it really got me. Yeah. Now first you do everyone says first you do fish, then you do everyone else. So <laughs> everybody's just gonna be staring at that fish from now on, and all the times they watch this episode. Tomorrow on Simpsons Tattoos Instagram, we're gonna see that goddamn fish on Probably someone's calf, and then it's gonna say "Corn me up" under it. It's gonna be great. <laughs> corn me up, SF Sketchfest <laughs> 19. Hashtag Corn me up. All right. Uh, and so yeah, Skinner goes back to all the. Stuff he had in storage from Armin, including his like pretty well maintained motorcycle, and just leaves town, which we saw in the opening uh, scene where the kids are just hanging out late at night in front yeah. of a used store uh, as they drive away. What else? Hope it wasn't a school night. And he's leaving for Capital City. I like that just little, he could have gone to any town, but the little bit of Simpsons continuity too to be like, no, he's from Capital City, the mean streets of Capital City. And uh, so he's much more glamorous, though, right? Well, there's a lot of broken windows. I, his <laughs> part of Capital City is uh, is a bad is the bad part of 433rd Street. 
Do you have the clip of him going off? I think you played it before yeah, it even a, started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the opening uh, of Up Yours Children, I think, is one of the best lines of all time. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure a lot of us watch the show with uh, our family members. Um, uh, we're all one family because we like The Simpsons. But I just remember like my dad laughing harder at Up Yours Children than anything I've ever said or done since. Um, but it's one just of those. chasing that high. <laughs> I'm that really hoping to get career. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like it's one of those like up yours is something that doesn't really make sense when you're a kid either. So I just remember like trying to say it and like, but I never quite got it. Uh, and it's one of those sayings that finally I, I think I understand and I <laughs> use it all the time. Well, I love that in that you get like him not being able to relinquish his last traces of that like very proper dignity. And I think that that is when Skinner truly shines with like his little lines here and there. One of my favorite lines of his of all time is, you know, welcome to a uh, night of theater and picking up after yourself, <laughs> uh, which is what tonight is. <laughs> um, but I, I love that contrast that they, you know, so consistently have for Skinner in his lines of dialogue. And I love that they didn't, you know, give up in this moment. He can't, it's already sowing the seeds of like, he can't become Armin again, even though he's trying to. He's just too, the, he's been Skinner too long for these 26 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so they come back from break. The, uh, the third act begins with Brockman saying he's going to recap the previous two uh, acts of the episode, uh, but then is interrupted by uh, the unprofessionalism of the other Channel 5 people. Then uh, we also get to hear from real Seymour Skinner that uh, Springfield in some ways is better than a Chinese prison laborer. <laughs> yeah. And everyone cheers. <laughs> Your new principal would like to say a few words. Remember, you have to respect him. He's a war hero. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chalmers. You know where I come from, there's no better way to get acquainted than by reciting the Pledge of Allegiance together. Why don't you lead us, son? Hey, America, you're so fine. You're so fine, you blow my mind. America. <laughs> well, that's very concise. But it's an insult to everything I suffered for. Now, take a seat, Junior, and listen to someone who gave their youth in service of their country. Mrs. Crabapple, the pledge, please. You haven't dealt with women for a long time, have you, Sergeant? Are you asking me out? Ah, 433rd Street, my old neighborhood. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Capital City's nakedest ladies. They're not even wearing a smile. Nod suggestively. Yes, six, count them. Six gorgeous ladies just dying. For your leers and catcalls. Yowza, yowza. So Mrs. Crabapple is Mrs. Crab a I've been calling her Crandall. Yeah. After nine years, they reveal what the joke is behind her name. I love it. It's uh, one of those, another of those season one jokes that was like funny in the first episode, and then they were just stuck with it uh, for nine more years. I I feel that whole scene is a very Frank Grimesy, uh, a grimy scene to me, because it's him failing to be a character on a sitcom. He's supposed to be funny or have a funny reply to Bart, and stays like. You've insulted me. Like, how dare you? <laughs> um, one thing that's, uh, I, knowing how you feel about Rugrats, I'm not sure how you feel about Rocco's, oh, Rocco's Modern oh, Life. Oh, we're fans. We're fans. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Rocco's Modern Life. Um, well, there's, so Rocco's Modern Life ended in 96, and wasn't this, so this was 97. Mm -hmm. There's an episode where he takes a job as, like, um, like a sexy phone call operator, yeah. and he goes, oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. <laughs> it's very similar, and I'm not saying that, 
Rocco did it first because who cares? But like, very, it's, it was definitely in the air at the time. I topless nudes is a very funny name for a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, just the 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 copy they gave him to read. Like, it seems they really enjoy make letting people know the women are miserable yeah. there. They're like, oh, they, they don't smile. They are awaiting your cat calls. It's, uh, they They're just dying for your cat calls. I just <laughs> remembered a memory of uh, when this uh, episode first came out. I remember watching it as a kid, and that scene, and, like, really the whole neighborhood of um, Capital City, I didn't register when I watched it as being this, like, really gross, decrepit place. I remember watching it and being like, oh, that looks like the neighborhood around my dad's divorce apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and being like, aw. <laughs> like, like a warm feeling. Did he sleep in a racing car? He slept in a racing car. Don't feel bad for me. I've gone to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a bed, just a racing car? <laughs> just yeah, just okay, a wow. racing car. <laughs> Um, one line that we skipped over just very briefly is just because they had to, again, plug the Simpsons family in a lot. Uh, you see you see the family watching the news story, and um, there's just the moment of uh, stench blossoms, uh, <laughs> which I think is something that also needs to kind of get into the vernacular. Yeah. That and scum drops. Scum yeah. drops. Candy is the scum drops. Flowers are stench blossoms. Or crap weeds. Or crap weeds. That, and that was really, that's the closest, I think, to Ken Keeler's vision of this episode of them. They are the audience saying, I don't like this new Skinner. And everybody says, no, I, I, like, I like him better than the old Skinner. It's, it's the f uh, fans reacting to Ted McGinley, say, on <laughs> Happy Days. <laughs> and there's still time to get scum drops from the lobby. You have about <laughs> half an hour left, so <laughs> buy some scum drops. Uh, but before you do, watch this next clip where we see how uh, Skinner is really not uh, working out with his mom. For some reason, this 55-year-old man doesn't want to be bossed around by his mother. Oh, Seymour, it's 7.30. Where were you? A bar, Mom. I don't know what that is, but on Fridays, <laughs> you come straight home after school. Tonight is still a wet night. Sit there. I really just came home to change into a turtleneck. Seymour, Sit! In the morning. Oh, Mom, I'm borrowing your car. <laughs> he's a bad boy. <laughs> I think he spends a lot of nights in bars, I yeah. think, uh, just to in get a over it. In a sensible turtleneck? <laughs> yeah, turtlenecks, that's a nighttime wear, not, not, yeah. uh, not at the daytime in the bar. And, uh, yeah, so that's when Agnes realizes she wants that weenie back, like that <laughs> her and Enda both miss that weenie while Marge is like, well, look, this other guy's just as much of a weenie as that. But like, no, he's their weenie. He was our weenie. He's a weener in different ways. <laughs> uh, and this, right in this episode, is one of the best like visual gags in the show's history. I just love this whole sequence here. Okay, <laughs> once more, where are we going? The capital city. And why are you and the old lady in the car? We're going to talk Armin Tamsarian into coming back. And why is Marge here? I came up with the idea. And why am I here? Because the streets of Capital City are no place for three unescorted ladies. And why are the kids here? Because we couldn't find Grandpa to sit for them. And why is Grandpa here? Because Jasper didn't want to come by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hello, beautiful. In your dreams. We'll see about that. <laughs> Hello, beautiful. <laughs> It's always good when another old person is annoyed by Abe Simpson. Oh, God. He, he, he annoys everyone. Well, it actually 
actually is a good reminder that it's not just that everyone hates old people. It's just everyone hates Abe. <laughs> yeah. Abe and Agnes should have had more scenes together. They, they have agree. a real good chemistry of her hating him. And <laughs> but because of that joke, in the next scene, there are just ten people in Armin's room. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of space. You know, in this transient apartment, there's a lot of space in there. Uh, but yeah, actually, let's, let's see how Armin is doing. My mind is made up. I'm not coming back. And that's final. Oh, Seymour. And I'm not Seymour. My name is Armin. This is Armin's apartment, Armin's liquor, Armin's copy of Swank, Armin's frozen peas. Can I see your copy of Swank, Armin? Yes, you can. This is Armin's life, and maybe it's not perfect, but at least I'm back where I belong. I was born a no-goodnik, and I'll die a no-goodnik. Seymour! I didn't bring you up to use language like that. Well, you didn't bring me up at all. The hell I didn't. I've been taking care of you for 26 years. I'm the only mother you've ever known. But you have your real son. You're my real son. You've been my son longer than he has. And he doesn't need me, and I don't need him. Now you'll march yourself downstairs and get in that car. Yes, mother. And the rest of you, too. Yes, yes Mrs. Skinner. Do you, do you guys remember if this is like the point in the series where um, the an the animation was being sent and the people who it was being sent to drew the pupils too large every time? I think we're past that. that oh yeah, because no, no, no. I thought that was like four or five. Yeah, but then you're right in about that. this episode, like pupils are crazy. <laughs> like they're I like them. I love. Okay, so if you guys don't know this, like there have been times within the series that the pupils have been unintentionally large because. I, I don't remember where it was sent, but the, the people who were doing it thought it was cuter, and they wanted to make The Simpsons look cuter, which is funny, because yeah. that's kind of not like what they're going for. But I think Korea is somewhere. Probably, and so uh, it's funny, because it ends up with like a very different looking and therefore acting like Homer, because like if his eyes are suddenly big, it's kind of like, oh, he made Aww. a mistake, as opposed <laughs> to like, like when he's strangling Bart, it's like, oh, that's cute, as opposed to like how it normally is, which is like, oh, that's abuse. Um, <laughs> but like, I feel like, it, Especially when we zoomed in on like Agnes's eyes earlier, yeah. like those hu those pupils were huge, and you know that's the type of things that people talk about when they have two Simpsons podcasts side that's by true. side. <laughs> Eye size is very important to us. I yeah. would double all their pupil sizes. I think they're cuter that way. They I are cuter. Matt Groening is too much of a f uh, control freak on the Simpsons eye size, but uh, I I also love how comfortable Homer is reading pornography in front of his kids. His children. <laughs> He's really embracing that, that low-class lifestyle. I mean, that's, that's low-tier porn. You have to go to certain truck stops to find <laughs> Swank. That's all they sell in his neck of the woods, the Swank. Even the Wikipedia article for Swank is outdated. I can't <laughs> find current information about Swank. Oh, no. I didn't, so Swank is a real thing? It's real. Or it was real. This happens so often where, like, uh, I think maybe a lot of people that are kids watching it, like, maybe don't realize that some of the things aren't Simpsons inventions. Right. Uh, Swank is one, but I truly didn't know that um, MacGyver was a real thing. <laughs> like, I, I thought that they made that up. <laughs> uh, but I'm dumb. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's time. They're running out of time in this episode. They have to jam Skinner back into things and make everything right. And Homer has the effectiveness of just the sledgehammer to the situation here. Everybody, look! Armin Tamsarian's back! And he's gonna take over the school again! <laughs> now, hold on. Armin Tamsarian is an unsavory character who played us all for chumps. All right, all right. So he's a fraud. I don't care. His mom doesn't care. Do any of you care? <laughs> you all seem to be forgetting that I am Seymour Skinner. 
This is where I belong. You can't ask me to disappear just because you like some other guy better. I gave half my life for you people. Aren't I entitled to a little dignity? You're, uh, you're right, Sergeant. Well, I don't see any way out of this. Now, if you'll allow me, I think I have a solution that'll satisfy the town <laughs> and let Sergeant Skinner keep his dignity. But I'm a hero! And we salute you for it. Now, don't come back. We had a very different perspective on war heroes in the 90s, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah. They just point and laugh at him. I mean, it's a very pre-9-11 stance on war heroes, I yeah, think. Before Clint Eastwood was directing movies, so mm. as you understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, I th and I think it's a commentary, too, on just like in the 90s, it was still felt like, ah, oh, Vietnam, that was a war we lost. It's in... People look down on the veterans of it. They don't sell. They didn't celebrate them the same as they were the Greatest Generation in the '90s. So, I think it's a little that. Also, on the commentary, they must have done it not too long after 2004 because uh, Bill Oakley draws a direct parallel to how nobody gave a shit about John Kerry being yeah. a, uh, a veteran as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I think those Seymour Skinner should be happy that he didn't just. He gets ejected from the show, not murdered, like uh, grimy. So it's not it's not so bad. Or Rex Banner too. He was murdered as well. Yep. Yeah. There's there's a lot. The, the, they did not create a lot of recurring characters. Wasn't you were Roy murdered too? He went to live with two sexy ladies. Yeah. So wait, Sherry Bobbins, Rex Banner, Frank Grimes, they're all murdered yes, in season eight. Yeah. Wow. Well, Disco Stu still stands tall. I, I don't think that Mary or Sherry Bobbins was murdered by an airplane. <laughs> I think she just it was. Oh, a, that like pilot a knew what he was doing. Oh no. Uh, the flies through geese. He murdered those geese. <laughs> and I assume that uh, Skinner was eaten by birds on that on that train. <laughs> they just swarmed on him. They starved to death. Him. and oh then he got God. him off of there. Well, he didn't come back. <laughs> he was literally run out of town on a rail. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, so here we get the finale here. The, uh, it's, it, this is it being as, uh, as meta as it can be about how you're supposed to forget. All this episode happened. I'm sorry, Seymour. It's nice you're alive, but you're just not what I'm looking for in a son. I'm glad you understand. Well, this is a lovely gesture, but... We still have to face the fact that I'm not really Seymour Skinner. Oh, uh, no, we don't, Judge Snyder. By authority of the city of Springfield, I hereby confer upon you the name of Seymour Skinner, as well as his past, present, future, and mother. No game. And I further decree that everything will be just like it was before all this happened, and no one will ever mention it again, under penalty of torture. Here, son, this is yours again. Hmm. I've never been happier or prouder to be Seymour Skinner, but these last few days as that hot-headed rogue Armin Tamzarian have taught me a thing or two. You know, maybe I've been a little too uptight in the past. Well, from now on, you're going to see a new Seymour Skinner. Oh, no, we won't. <laughs> yes, Mother. Very good. So that was Judge Snyder enforcing what were the rules of TV at the time. Yes, yeah. The pre-streaming world. I think you should assume he did that off-screen in all previous episodes <laughs> yeah. that broke reality. It's, it's the B-sharps never existed. <laughs> and just even when Skinner Armin tries to say, like, well, okay, you're not supposed to remember I'm not Seymour Skinner, but maybe I'll be a little different. No, you <laughs> cannot be that even. 
you like no lesson can be learned from this episode. It is stricken from the record. It's also a very active Homer. Like Homer planned all this out. Yeah, I was gonna say Homer has a lot of pull for someone who like can't get a babysitter because they're like blacklisted. It's amazing <laughs> the ways that his name helps and hurts him. <laughs> this is much more of the schemer Homer than uh, than uh, the can't oh the can't take his hands off of a crystal Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess, yeah, final thoughts on this episode, guys? It's, it's one that, uh, it's, it's truly a roller coaster because you could really see every single side to it, even talking about it tonight, being like, he's a tortured war veteran. It's like, oh no, I feel bad for loving that he leaves. But ultimately, I think it's a great episode. I, I, it's, it's a special, unique episode, and it, it's just super fun. Yeah, I mean, I know that I've been playing devil's advocate pretty much this entire time, but, um, you know, I feel like this episode, it does the job that you want good TV to do where it tells a compelling story. At no point over the course of this episode are you bored, are you, you know, sort of like thinking about what else you could be doing. Like, it just, it, all of the narrative just keeps pulling you deeper and deeper, and I think all the choices that they make are correct. Especially at the end, you know, this is something that we see a lot in Simpsons episodes where they have so much story and it's moving like, you know, just a steam engine. <laughs> and then, um, and then you know, they find that they have like literally 45 seconds left and so they have to really tie it up. And sometimes they make fun of themselves for doing it. At the end of Das Boost, you know, they have the voiceover that says like, and then the kids got off the island by Mo. Let's <laughs> say Mo, which is <laughs> one of my favorite jokes. Um, you know, but I think that the way that this wraps up is it's just so fun, uh, especially given that this is like, you know, such a meaty story that uh, could have been extended into a two-hour movie you know, or whatever, yeah. the controversy of what it's based on uh, keeps changing. Um, but I think that they, they do the right thing, and um, me as a viewer back then, me as a viewer today, I still feel um, content with the choices that they made and that, you know, I want the new old Seymour Skinner um, to come back, and I just think that, I don't know, I, I think that they handled it perfectly. I don't find it controversial in that way at all. Yeah, one quick other thought about it is yeah. just like the ending just reminds you it's a cartoon. <laughs> like, that's yeah, it, that's exactly. it, yeah. To not it's take just, it too seriously. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you're right. Yes, that's not so training someone, as that one reviewer said, yeah, is, <laughs> is, uh, is not something I think that really happens in real life. So it's a good reminder to yeah. not take it so seriously. Well, I, I love Skinner, and I think ultimately the emotional beats of the story really work well. And I think his backstory does inform who he is as a character. It doesn't feel off to me. So. I feel like it's a good episode, and uh, I, I didn't hate it at the time, and I see this as not being called it as often as later worse episodes would be. I think ultimately they had respect for the character, which I think they did not have in uh, the Mod Flanders dying episode. Yeah. I think uh, the respect for Skinner, is you can see it on display here, and they love Skinner so much. Well, I, I would just add one more to what I said of, like, I would much prefer a TV show that I love to take a big swing. And this is a big fucking swing. I would much appreciate that than playing it safe and just having, like, this monotonous complacency of, you know, we're just going to do exactly, we're going to pay attention to what audiences are responding to online and just cater to that. Because then you get, you know, something that is so immemorable, and, and this is, like, the opposite of that, you know? We're still talking about it <laughs> all these years later, so. Yeah, I, I also, I still really love this one, too. I think it, it sticks with me just as one of my favorite, like, meta episodes of the show. Just like I, I love Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, Homer's Enemy, the spinoff showcase. Like, just these comments on television through the show and comments on the show's own continuity 
Like, and to find jokes within that is funny. And they, and there's just so many great lines in this that I, I am sad that get overlooked, I think, by the Simpsons fandom just because this is, this episode basically has like a scarlet letter on it as like the bad episode, which, uh, and I guess, well, I'd like to also ask the, the yeah. few people who clapped at the beginning, have we changed your mind? Yes. Ah! Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we did it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess we have to wrap up here. Thanks for coming out. By the way, our podcast will not end after this event, so we will not turn to sand, but thanks to Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott. Thank you. They were so great. Listen to their podcast. Everything's coming up Simpsons. It's great. Fantastic. Thank you. Hashtag corn me up. Don't forget. Everyone <laughs> says that now. Corn me up. And you can meet us out in the lobby. Please buy posters and stuff. They're out there. Thanks for coming out. Bye. <laughs>